We're returning to 1 Corinthians 13, the, the greatest chapter in the New Testament, maybe entire Bible. And Christians or even unbelievers alike, this chapter is well revered and well liked. And we've been on this for three weeks, and the fourth uh, and final message today. And I'm sure you felt that, but I certainly felt in the beginning of going into 13, uh, I was so excited to go into this chapter as if there's so many great treasures, and it's almost like a delicious meal when you're eating out, that kind of anticipation. Yes, there's still beauty, uh, a poetry-like kind of a, just a awesome rhetoric about uh, love, but it's been really humbling us and challenging us, tr- stretching us. And that's what real love is all about. And oftentimes when we talk about uh, grace, and they emphasize, emphasizing on the fact that it is free, yes, for those of us who are receiving grace, it is free. For God, who gives away, who loves, it costs everything for him. To give his only son, only begotten son. So in light of that, my text this morning is only one verse. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. And Steve read it in context, the whole chapter. Uh, let's get a quick uh, overview. 1 Corinthians 13 may be summarized in this way. There are Paul's four declarations about four truths. Um, love. <clears throat> but the word agape is um, foundationally, fundamentally different from the cheap love. Even we sing you know, pop songs like, all you need is love. All you need is love. But a lot of times, the problem as a Christian, when we try to practice, the all you need is love, it sounds so good, but we don't have the feelings to back up. So we, one of the common misunderstandings about Christian love, this agape love, is that we have to like some people that we don't like. No, actually, the, as much as affection is important, the, the nature of this love is God's selfless love. This is kind of love that we cannot love on our own. The first and foremost thing that Paul begins with is love is prominent. Love is supremely prominent. It is not just uh, important, but indispensable in the Christian life. 
And I, as I mentioned, even if we have all other things, not having love is a times zero effect. It, you don't, it doesn't matter you have a 10,000 or 20,000 or 100,000 or million kind of strength. Times zero equals zero. Number two, love is practical. Not that love is absent of any emotions, but love is something we do out of patience and kindness because of the fact that agape love doesn't rest upon the attraction like a cupid uh, that causes us to have those feelings for love at all. Um, so if it's based on really the two primary traits, patience and kindness, embracing, believing, and not giving up, but continually having good will for that person, love is an action. By the way, the 15 characteristics Paul lists there um, is actually, in another sense of looking at it, is when the Christians are controlled and filled by the Holy Spirit, we bear the work of the Holy Spirit, fruit of the Holy Spirit, in Galatians 5, 2, 20, uh, 22 and 23. It is another way of saying it in chapter 13. The fruit of the uh, Spirit presupposes that it doesn't come from our natural effort, which is a good thing. This is not moral traits that we need to work on as a self-improvement at all. But it is the mystery and paradox of faith and obedience. We rely on God because we don't have source for agape love, but we are to obey that. So in one sense, love is a gift as well because it, it is from God and we need to receive from God to reflect his love to, toward others. In another sense, it is not the gift of the Holy Spirit in, in the sense that Paul mentioning, remember that? Paul says, uh, do all prophesy? The rhetorical question, answer is obviously no. Do all speaking in tongue? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all have leadership gifts? No. But in that sense, we cannot say, since I don't have the gift of love, uh, I'll just focus on this, and it's okay. No, the love is the command that Jesus gave us and Holy Spirit calls us to do. And we, we receive from God, but not the gift of the Holy Spirit, the specific people only to build up the body of Christ. And last week, the third declaration is love is permanent. Love never ends. It stands as the central, permanent essence of the life in the kingdom of God. But speaking in tongue, 
prophecies and knowledge, the gifts of those three uh, favorite gifts of the Corinthian church will pass away. And we could even put our own strength and whatever that we are uh, proud of in that and knowing that it will pass away as well. But love is permanent. Finally, today, verse 13 is declaring love is not just a prominent but preeminent, greatest of the three abiding virtues, faith, hope, and love. Greatest of these is love. Have you thought about this? When these three things are marked as a group, as um, the lasting virtues, these are the Christian attributes for eternity. Did Paul just came up with this? Remember, as we understand Paul's writings, everything that he writes about is so intentional, right? So if you look at other parts of Paul's letters and writing, you will see this, it's almost like a triad. Let me give you a couple of examples. Number one, Colossians 1, 3 to 4 uh, is a typical example. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we have heard, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. You see, this is intentional. Paul is basically saying three things, almost like a three legs of the stool that you need as a Christian is faith and hope and love. Similar, very similar thing. 1 Corinthians, he writes in chapter 1, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfast of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So think about this for a moment. Things that we value, things around us is like a highly prized, not to mention materialistic things, will pass away. But also, all these other things seemingly uh, just so much of a popular demand in there will not last. The only three things that will last etern- in eternity were faith, hope, and love. So in light of that, there are about four questions that I'd like to ask as we meditate on this. Number one is, why is faith 
or lasting virtue? Why is hope lasting virtue? Number three, uh, since last week was and continued three messages on redundant messages about supreme importance and uh, the permanence of love, we're going to actually skip the third one and ask the actually ultimate question. But why is love the greatest among the three? Among the three virtues. And lastly, we want to ask, so what? How does it affect us? How should we apply what we just went over in verse 13? That's simple enough. Let's go to the first one. First, why is faith a lasting virtue? If I give a just straightforward answer first, it is this. Faith gives us access to our eternal grace relationship with God. Of so many passages in the New Testament, I intentionally chose Paul's letter and from uh, Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. He writes this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So because of interconnectedness, hope already comes out. But if you look at faith itself, it's a faith is assurance of things that we hope for. Faith is believing what we cannot see. Faith is something putting our, our trust and weight into something else, someone else. The Christian faith, obviously, not in our own self or on, on other person, on other things, but in the trustworthy, trustworthy God who is lasting forever. So there's a, actually a hymn. This writes about faith will will vanish into sight. I, I like I love that expression. Faith faith will vanish into sight, meaning vision. S I G H T. When we finally get to heaven, see Jesus face to face, things will be so clear. The faith that we hoped or hoped for without seeing things, God will reveal it as if we were seeing face to face. We'll be able to see it. The question is, then, is that over there? No. Actually, because we don't exist, our source of continuous sustaining power and grace is not within us. We continually have a lasting, eternal relationship with God through faith. And that's why we need uh, continuous faith for eternity. It is the channel through which we receive God's grace daily. And should I mention, for eternity. As of now, it is 
the way through which we receive free salvation in Christ Jesus. That's what it means to stand in the grace, access to the grace. So think about this. If we put our faith not in ourselves, but in the trustworthy God and his promises, even now and also forevermore. Faith is the most important, seemingly, the most important the factor of a Christian life. We are to love, we are to walk by not by sight, but by faith. In other words, we are to walk not by our emotions and feelings and physical sight, but by assurance in the things or hope for that which is revealed in the promises of God in the Scripture. So let's walk by faith. Day by day. Second question is why is hope a lasting virtue? One maybe straight answer could be uh, this. Hope gives us a confident expectation in the glory of God forever. This time, still Paul's writing from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. Paul writes, this is his prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Hope. There's a conventional definition of hope is a wishful thinking in short term, or if I if I put it some positive uh, manner into that is that we are posturing ourselves in a positive expectation and thinking for the future. I hope my son will turn out to be okay by the end of this school year. I hope our daughter could go to this school. I hope my children will grow to be a happy and healthy, godly man and woman. Those are all hopeful things, right? But the biblical definition is far more than that and radically different from that. The definition of biblical hope is a confident expectation which rests on the promises of, God, promises of God, not for the temporal now, but for the eternal future. This is why hope is related to the faith, interconnected to faith, but at the same time, it lasts forever. That hymn that I mentioned, uh, faith will vanish into sight. Hope will be emptied in delight. So in other words, the hymn writer is hinting, pointing to the fact that when we trust in the promises of God, when we continually have this 
confident assurance of what things that are coming in spite of our sufferings and pain and incomplete and imperfect things in this world, when we get to heaven, our hope will never disappoint us. It will be filled with satisfaction, true satisfaction. But it doesn't stop there again. Have you thought about uh, like a twilight zone kind of a uh, thoughts, kind of poignant thoughts that if everything goes really well every day, and it will be boring, right? So some, some people say, uh, even in the novel, there, if there's no conflict, it's no fun. When conflict happens, this is the beginning of juicy stuff. All those watch Korean drama knows that. The evil person makes you want to watch more and more. Not, not a good deep satisfaction at the end, but... So now how is heaven really lasting place for ongoing true satisfaction? I believe this is it. Because God is limitless, because our hope is in lim- limit, unlimited, limitless God, and the things that he provides is incredibly in-depth, and in a million years, and thousand, I mean the a trillion years, and for eternity, we will never find out fully about the riches of God, the glory of God. So every day, we're going to anticipate with new things from God, about God's glory, that every day we'll be filled with joy. Every day, there will be a newness of God's grace. I don't know about you, when you encounter deep disillusionment about life and pain and suffering, you learn that. Hope becomes so much more important in your life. And I, I, am, I for one, will testify. When I think about my brother, and yeah, by the grace of God, God answered our prayer, and a miracle happened, and his infection in his brain, PML stopped. He has still speech impediment to, to deal with. He has still the right leg and right hand to deal with. Of course, the hope in Christ Jesus continually give us positive outlook and even confidence to pray for a continuous miracle. But if you ask me, my hope is not in this earth. I know for a fact, if because I tr- trust with my all heart in the promises of God, for eternity, he will be satisfied. For eternity, he will be whole. That's Christian hope. What cheapens that hope is a prosperity gospel. If you do things right and obey God and give certain things so the seed of faith 
then you will be prosperous, you will be wealthy, you will be rich. But how long? That's not eternal hope that Christ, the Apostle Paul talks about in Jesus. Hope continues forever and ever. And because of that eternal hope, we are able to encounter the present suffering, harsh reality of life with hope. It will sustain us eternally. Okay. Number three, but why is love the greatest if there are all good, good things? And this is the text of Today's text, verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide in these three. But the greatest of these is love. Um, when I read this insight, I'm indebted to uh, Anglican rector in London by the name of Dick Lucas. He quotes... Actually, the C.K. Barrett, and he basically passes on. And he asks three questions on this. Number one, does God put his faith in someone or something else? Does God trust, in other words? The answer is no. If he did, he would not be God. He is a self-sufficient, self-existing God. Almighty God. Number two question. Does God hope? Does God hope for better things in the future? No. He is completely satisfied with himself. And there is nothing more better ahead of him. Or behind of him. If he did hope. He would not be God. Third question. Does God love? And obviously the, the answer is a resounding yes. Because this is part of his character. Central attribute of God. Conversely we could argue that if he did not love, if he does not love he would not be God because the Bible clearly talks about God is love. The Bible doesn't say God is faith, God is hope, but God is love. The conclusion that we could draw from this is and therefore love is a divine attribute that the Spirit imparts to us in Christ-likeness, as a children of God. I worked on that for several minutes, on that one sentence, because it really wanted to, I wanted to continue to be crystal clear in our understanding of this concept of love. God doesn't need faith or hope. Faith and hope are critical for us to depend on God, to continually hope in God. 
but one attribute, that the fact that God is love, as he restores us who are made in his image, he wants to impart his divine attribute to us and calls us to love, love others as he has loved us, as he loves. So therefore, the greatest of these is love. Isn't that insightful? Not mine, but you know, I got really excited when I just contemplated on that. But this is our time now. So what? The final question is, how should this truth affect our everyday life as Christ followers? And I thought of at least four applications. Maybe this is not concrete enough yet, but four directions of the thinking. Number one, faith, hope, and love ought to be the threefold sign of our true Christian life. I could even go further and say, Paul is looking at the reason why he's thanking God for Colossians, Colossian Christians and Thessalonians Christians is the fact that he sees three signs. Your salvation is true, real. So think about this. Am I, do I have cultivating, growing faith? Do I live in hope every day? Not for the things now but for the things to come. Do I hope in God, not for the materialistic things, not for the immediate good results, but in God who is good and wise? Do I love? Do I act like his child? These are three bold signs of true Christian true self salvation number 2 love ought to be our greatest barometer of our spiritual maturity corporately as well as indiv- individually Did you get this let's talk about individual it's not how much you know it's not how much you serve it's not how much you do all that is very very important But if you're becoming more loving person in light of 1 Corinthians 13, that you are evaluated, and we see the true spiritual maturity, the barometer of that. So that's my confession. Last week, I shared some regrets, right? I, I, I clarified with my men's group about that. It sounded like I was just prideful, I regret about my pride. No, it's not that. It's more, more than that. In my thriving ministry, mixed motivation was there. A lot of things that I did was not loving. I was too harsh. I was too seeking myself ways of doing things. I still make the mistakes, obviously. But I wish I could go back and say, I'm really sorry, I messed up. I, there was really childish things. But in the name of effective ministry, how many spiritual leaders and pastors really to continue to do that? 
which dishonors the name of God and takes the trust in holy church. And each one of us need to evaluate that. Am I a more loving person? Number three, application. Love ought to be our greatest goal living as a Christ as a Christ followers. Greatest goal. You see, we could say my spiritual gifts is teaching. I love teaching. I really get energized whenever I teach. My, my spiritual gift is leadership. But if you think about that, it is means to an end. It's you, we use them to, to glorify God. And we use them to build up the body of Christ. We use them to love others, basically. But love is end in itself. God doesn't love us as a means to something. God loves us, and that in that love, all his expectations, goals is there. So what are your goals in this year? And if you look at that, if the love is the greatest, you must put that as your goal. Becoming a more loving person. And let's be honest and genuine in that because the last thing we want to do is fake love. Even the little child knows the fake love. I mean, feels intuitively, right? The Christians ought to practice genuine love, truthful love. Okay, fourth and last application, at least from my point of view, is love ought to be our greatest power as Christ sent people. Initially, I was thinking about love is our greatest weapon. We use them so it doesn't kind of... So power, in other words, how do you change people who are very, very distorted How do you change people who are sinful? God gives us His love. Love them. They're not lovable. Yes, I know. Love them. The Christ love will change them. How do you you change the city of Santa Ana? Man-centered world? The perspective is doing the things... Of course, as much as our practice is important, community development, social justice, and other participation is very, very important. But the beginning first step as a Christian church is to be salty. In that saltiness, this agape love is central. That our love transcends with humanly calculating love. We are to be known by our love for one another from human standard. It's incredible they even get along. 
They're so different. But they love each other. They are really like brothers and sisters. That is testimony. That is the greatest power. And the neighbor that you work with and the neighbor that you get annoyed by, obviously it is hard. It is very difficult. Once again, the command is not to like them, to continually be patient and choose goodwill to be kind to them. If you went to the point, this love is commended for our enemies as well, isn't it? I conclude with this insight from the Anglican rector that I mentioned, Dick Lucas. He writes, so there is a difference between these three things. Faith, hope, belong to us as sinners saved by the grace of God. In our hearts is implanted something that God does not need. Trust and hope in him. But when, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he implants our hearts a tiny thimbleful, he puts something of his own nature in us. And according to the New Testament, that is the point of of the whole thing. God's eternal plan for our salvation is that we should once again be in his image that in the end we might be like God. So obviously, in the end, we must love as God loves. So, sisters and brothers, let us love one another. Not with self-focused love, not with contract love, calculating love, not with you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, love, but agape love. That will shock the system of this world that doesn't know God. Let's begin with us. Begin with people who are nearby us. May the Holy Spirit give us not only the hope and faith, but the power of love that we could continually apply. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who lived this on earth as one of us, as a full human. And in his frailty, he loved as God loved. And as we pursue to become more like Christ, and we pray that, that you will teach us to love and teach us to embrace this the triad of Christian life, faith, hope, and love, 
in the most genuine way. Would you keep us salty? Would you use us, the light of the gospel, in our neighborhood, in this city, in this state, and in this nation and the world? That we pray that our first obedience will begin with our first step today. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.